it's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot of stuff to talk about today and hope you guys are having a good one out there enjoying the warm weather this unusual February um, that we're having this year. It feels like a false spring, but we will take it right now for sure. And like I said, lots of good stuff coming up on today's show. Jerry Zagoda from the Star Tribune joins me to talk about Minnesota United. Lots of stuff going on with that team. Still do not have a permanent head coach. Just over, just over two weeks before the regular season starts, a weird off season for them. Jerry telling me, don't worry about it too much, but they might not even have their permanent head coach in place and ready to coach the team before the season starts. Just seems kind of bananas to me, but Jerry says there's a reason behind it and it's going to be okay. So I will, I will let him try to explain all of that to you here in just a little bit. Um, the Wild resume play tonight after a long break, but they've been kind of easy to forget about. I've got some Aaron Rodgers stuff and some TV streaming stuff, which usually for me, those are like two of my favorite subjects. Uh, usually that would be front of the show. I've pushed those to the back because... The biggest thing right now, what I miss, is the basketball that happened last night. Let's talk about that right now. We'll start with the Gophers. We'll start with the good news. The men's basketball team beats Michigan State 59-56, a different kind of environment right from the start. Kirk Cousins was there. Uh, Vikings quarterback, of course. We'll see for how long, but Vikings quarterback as of right now a former Michigan State uh, quarterback was there to see the Gophers play Michigan State. Gophers win 59-56. They're 6-5 and five now in the Big Ten, despite not having a halftime lead in any of those 11 games. All six wins in the Big Ten coming when they were either tied just once uh, at halftime or trailing. That was the other five times at halftime. In this case, they were down five to the Spartans. It was as bad as, I think, nine early in the second half before they wrapped. Cam Christie, the Gophers' excellent freshman, had a big, big game. I think he made five out of six three-pointers, some big ones in the second half, a couple of them to get them back in the game, one of them to give them a lead as, as time went on, and two big free throws for Christie down the stretch. Gophers win this game. Now the discussion becomes, is this a tournament team? I did not think we would be having this conversation about this team right now. I thought we could be having the discussion of, hey, this is a better team, right? They're, they're better. We can tell they're they're getting better. Then you know they started 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. Then they had that swoon where they lost four in a row. You're like, okay, this is, th- is this the real Gophers? Well, now they've won three in a row since then. The good road win at Penn State. You know, any, ro- any road win in the Big Ten is a good win. And then beating Northwestern and Michigan State in these last two at home. Kind of toss-up games in both cases, right? G- games that could have gone either way, both in terms of how the games played out. I mean, Northwestern was an overtime game. Michigan State was tied late in the game, but also in terms of the competition level. Those are both teams that are right around 500 in the Big Ten right now, just like the Gophers. If you're going to contend, you've got to win those games, especially at home. So what did we learn? We learned that the Gophers are at least able to close out those games, can be considered in contention, at least in the Big Ten, in terms of you know being in the top four, being in the top six, getting themselves in the conversation for the NCAA tournament once we get to that point later this season. 
The energy in the building was one of the big talkers. Ben Johnson, Gophers head coach, talked about it after the game. Marcus Fuller recorded this. Here is Ben Johnson talking about the student section in particular in this game. I thought our student section was awesome. I mean, that thing was packed through the roof. They brought the energies. They set the tone. I was, I was texting with a friend um, as I was walking in. And I just said, there's a different type of buzz. I just felt it. There was a line of people waiting to get in, and people are yelling at me. And there's just there was a different energy today from the very start. And I just can't thank them enough. Like it just it it impacts winning so much more than I think they even realize. Um, but the energy they brought, I mean, it definitely carried us in the second half. There's no question about it. I mean, there's times and in timeouts I'm getting mad at the guys, but they said they messed up coverages because they can't hear. Well, that's a good problem. Attendance just announced at a little over 8,200. It's not like the barn is all the way back. I know this is a Tuesday night game, so you're not going to get the greatest credit anyway, but that's that's still not the heyday of the barn. But the people that were there were into this game, and it signaled maybe that this team is starting to turn a corner. Now, there's a lot of season left, right? Nine regular season Big Ten games left. Where they go from here will determine a lot of their fate. The next two are not easy at Iowa team kind of right in the middle of the Big Ten, just like they are, but that's a road game, a tough environment. And at Purdue after that, Purdue number two in the country, that will be a daunting task. But they've got a bunch of these other games the rest of the year beyond that. A lot of home games, a lot of games against teams either at their level or below their level in the standings. A chance to get to at least 10-10 and 10 in the Big Ten by the end of the year. If they finish above 500 in the conference, you like their chances of at least being considered for the NCAA tournament. So an interesting place for them to be right now. It might come down to like that last week and then the Big Ten tournament. Their last two Big Ten games this season are home against Indiana and at Northwestern. Those are two pretty big games at the end of the year. Opportunities all up and down the schedule. Just a a better team than they were. Dawson Garcia, huge three-pointer towards the end of last night's game that gave them a 55-52 lead, and then they closed it out. That's a a big win for them, a good win for them, and maybe starting to feel a little bit more of that energy at Williams Arena. The flip side of that, the Wolves, um, the team that's been more successful, obviously, during most of this season, had the big celebration just a couple days ago when they won at home against the Rockets. We found out Chris Finch was going to be the head coach of the Western Conference All-Star team because the Wolves were in the top spot at the cutoff point in the conference. Kind of a four-way tie going on now at the top of the conference with the Wolves, um, Oklahoma City, Denver, and the Clippers. They're all right there. Top four is pretty important because you get uh, you, you get the home court in the first round of the playoffs, so there'll be some jockeying for that. That makes last night's loss all the more disappointing, and how it happened makes it even more disappointing. The Wolves had a 22-point lead at halftime on the Bulls, 69-47. I looked at the box score at halftime. I hadn't been watching the game so much, but I looked at the box score, and I'm like, ugh. Looks like one of those nights where the shots might be falling a little bit too easily. I was nervous for them at that moment because it's like when when you make a bunch of threes, when when things are falling, when the other team isn't making shots, it can feel easy. All of a sudden in the second half, the Bulls start to make a run. The Bulls start making shots. The Wolves stop making shots. Next thing you know, it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, it's into overtime. And the next thing you know, the Wolves have lost this game couple of markers in this game. Alan Horton, excellent job on Wolves Radio, tweeted, in their last 10 games, the Wolves have lost four times when they've had a 10-point 
lead or larger in the fourth quarter. They hadn't lost a game all season in that scenario over the first 41 games. Right there. That is the difference between the first half of the year and what we've seen in the early part of the second half of the year. Not being able to close out games. Not having that late game execution. And again, could just be a blip. Could just be you go through things during a season, you cluster things together, and you get a trend. You get a stat like that where it's like, wow, that's not good. You don't want to see them continue to do that, but that is a problem right now. Another stat that I saw saw from Optistats, the Bulls were the, were the second sub-500 team in NBA history to trail by 20 or more points at halftime against a team 20 or more games over 500 and come back to win. The other time was when the 76ers with Charles Barkley in 1988 came back from a 27-point halftime deficit to beat Larry Bird's Celtics 97-93. I mean, that's you're talking about 35, 36 years ago since this has happened. It's a very specific stat. I get that. It's a very specific stat. To be 20 games over 500, you've got to be uh, you've got to be a pretty good team. 20 point halftime lead, usually pretty safe, although maybe less so now. But that that's that stuck out to me. That stuck out to me just how rare this is. It stuck out to me that wow, that's only the second time that's ever happened. That was surprising to me. But the Wolves have to figure out late game execution. It was much better in the beginning of the year, as as we saw from the Alan Horton tweet, right? Like if you're up by 10 or more in the fourth quarter, you would like to think you can close that game out. It's not always going to be perfect. You might stumble a little bit down the stretch. You might not get it to the finish line exactly how you want to, but you need to bank those wins. You need to beat teams like the Bulls on the road when you've got them on the ropes. You can't let them back in the game. You can't not execute down the stretch like the Wolves have been doing. So it's just disappointing for them, disappointing because all these games matter. Even if they don't, even if and even if there's no individual game right now that's a must-win for a team that's still way over 500, that's still having one of its best seasons, they're 35 and 16. Like, this is going to happen. But when you do it so many times in such a short span, it becomes a problem. Makes you wonder what they need to do before Thursday's trade deadline. Do they need to bet to add one more piece to this rotation to kind of give them a little bit of extra, whether it's scoring, whether it's you know another backup point guard option. Um, Kyle Anderson has not been good lately, not been good this season after being so good for them last year. I mean, right now, the rotation is usually only about eight or nine guys deep every night. Jordan McLaughlin only played seven minutes last night, so really it was mostly like an eight-guy rotation. Because it goes to overtime, the minutes are up, but Ant and Gobert both played 44 minutes last night. Towns played 39, Jaden McDaniels 40, Mike Conley Jr. 36. That's not the kind of minutes you want. You need one more dependable rotation player so you can shave a couple minutes at least after off all those guys uh, minutes numbers you just gotta you gotta get to the playoffs fresh you can't just get there grinding every night you can't be playing these guys so much so I would like to see them get creative find one more rotation piece at the deadline you don't got to give up a ton to do it you don't have to you know go and get a superstar but you do need I think one more player one more scorer I would imagine one more one more guy to kind of just release the pressure off this group because I feel like they're just, you know, they've been relatively healthy this year. They're just kind of, they're just in a spot where the depth isn't there enough to withstand what they're going through right now. And it certainly doesn't feel like they would be able to withstand any sort of significant absence or injury. So that's what I want to see from the Wolves going forward. Can they do a little bit more with their roster? Can they get better in these clutch situations down the stretch of the season? 
Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's talk Minnesota United soccer today with Jerry Zagoda from the Star Tribune. Covers the team. A lot of stuff going on right now with the Loons, Jerry. The, the opener is a little over two weeks away. Sporting director is here. Emmanuel Reynoso is here. That's good news. We still don't know who the permanent head coach is going to be. Feels a little late in the game on that, but... You know, before we started recording, you told me that maybe that's not as big of a deal as as it could seem like. But give give me your perspective on just this kind of interesting off season for for the Loons, and you know, a lot of a lot of new things, obviously, with with Adrian Heath no longer here as the 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 manager. Well, it's only soccer season, isn't it? And they may think it had a long off season because they lost out, never made the playoffs uh, last fall. But uh, to me, it seems like the season that never ends. So, um, you know, the, as you mentioned, the new uh, chief soccer office, the sporting director is uh, here after waiting for uh, Khaled El Ahmad to come in from uh, Barnsley in the, was it, third division in, in England. And uh, like you said, uh, Reynoso is here. It only took him a week this time rather than four months. So uh, progress. He hasn't done a lot. He's been working on the side. He's got some knee issue, just uh, you know, what do they call him a knock in soccer, and uh, he's been working with the performance staff. But he is here. Um, uh, guy they're waiting on is their big, uh, highest paid player, number one striker, uh, Timo Puki, who has been, uh, I think, in Finland with his uh, wife was uh, expecting their child, and I think that just happened. Um, so. They expect him to join. They're going tomorrow morning and for 10 days of training in uh, Coachella. Have you been to Coachella? Probably for the for the for the rock shows. I have I've not been there, although last year around this time we were in we were in Palm Springs and that was very close to Coachella. I was kind of we almost overlapped with their training there last year, but uh, but we did not. So they're gonna go down there and they're gonna play uh three friendlies and uh spend about 10 days and then come home and they'll got up they'll have about four days to prepare for that uh, February 24th season opener at Austin. I was jokingly mostly texting you earlier before we started about, you know, the, the notion that this seems a little bit dysfunctional, at least to me, right? That they, they spent all of last year, or most of last year, wondering when Reynoso is going to get here. And then they've kind of had this off season where they're waiting for their sporting director. They don't have a permanent head coach yet. They've had two interims right now. They've got one interim who's leading things right now. They had one previously still waiting on a permanent head coach. I was joking, jokingly mostly comparing this to the old Wolves that used to that you used to cover, the David Kahn era. What in the name of Tangai and Gumbo is going on here? The you know the, the guy they drafted in the second round back 12 years ago or so that was uh, apparently we think was a lot older than he said he was and wasn't eligible to be drafted or there was some, some stuff going on there. We're, we're not at that point yet, but it does seem like there's a perception that they that this has been a, a little bit more of a frenzied offseason than than they might have liked. How do you characterize where they're at right now and how this has proceeded? 
Well, like you just said, you say tan guy, I say tar guy. <laughs> that's right. He was. That's right. He didn't. He didn't. He write his name down wrong on his draft profile. We have the two different names that we, we, yeah. we call. So yes, but you have you have this you have the scars of the David Kahn era to uh, to 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 keep you from thinking this is too bad. Well, let's bifurcate and have a little palace intrigue, <laughs> Valley. As long as we're talking about David Kahn. Yes, that's that's it. But what about this team? It's it's not at that level, but it, it doesn't seem like it's it's perfect. I'm sorry if you if you uh, want to claim chaos. The one thing I will point to is they did go out and quickly get their uh, chief soccer officer, Kala. They got him after about ten days, I think. So they didn't waste any time. Problem with that, he was under contract until next July with Barnsley. So it took a while for for them to work that out. Um, for them to, for Barnsley to kind of let him go. I don't know if there was a buyout uh, discussions for, for money or not, but, uh, you know, that's what took a while. Now that they've got him here, I mean, you're not going to hire a coach before you hire your, your sporting director. So, you know, I'm guessing you'll probably see uh, Cameron Knowles, the uh, second interim uh, coach, as you mentioned. I'm, I'm betting, given the timeline, that you're going to see him coach the first game and, yeah, you know, we may have a hire here by early to mid March. So, so they, you're thinking they're probably going to go into the regular season with this, with with their interim head coach, and then maybe make a move not too long into the regular season. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think they'll probably will go into the regular season uh, with Cam coaching, just because little continuity here. You know, you've had them all through preseason, plus it's probably I I know the the group is probably down to a handful of candidates. But it's still going to take a while to go through all the finals of that, and then you've got, depending who they hire and where he's from, you know, you might have the visa implications like you do with all the other things. So, um, it, it, soccer's a little bit different, and the, the coach will come in. But I, you know, when they interviewed for the for the sporting director, um, they wanted him to sort of establish what the style of play is going to be. So he's going to hire a guy who believes the way he wants to play, which I think with this new guy is. Uh, uh, younger, uh, more more aggressive, more pressing. You know, push up the field a little bit more. Maybe play a little bit more like a Liverpool sort of uh, thing. So is that what we're seeing so far in in training? So this isn't really going to necessarily slow them down once they bring in a permanent head coach. No, I mean you're gonna have to have adjustment. You know, at least when you start the regular season here in what less than three weeks, they've been training with Cam leading them. You know, since. The first week of uh, January, so there will be. That's probably the bigger adjustment with a new guy coming in than than going with this coaching staff to start the season. So, but if I had to guess, you know, it's going to be early to mid mid March, and by then you'll have played what three games, so in a thirty four game season. So, um, but I think that'll probably be the the biggest adjustment adjusting to the new coach, because uh, uh, by all accounts they've they've. Take it pretty well. Um, maybe don't ask Michael Box or a couple guys with the younger leg or older legs, but uh, um, I think you'll see a little bit of a different style played here now. How much of a contrast is that to? I mean, I've I've watched enough of their matches, but that sounds like a decent contrast to what we saw with with Adrian Heath. Not like they didn't want to attack, but there was definitely like a there was a little bit more of a measured, not quite as aggressive all the time approach. Well, he likes his veterans. I think this news guy is going to go. He's going to play young. You know, they're going to try to play some young guys if they can and develop some players and you know keep some guys in the in the pipeline. And uh, you know we'll see how, what that means for the, the back line and other other places uh, around the uh, around the lineup. But um, 
I think I think you're going to see right away, you know, a little bit of a change, you know, a, sort of a balancing of the roster. I mean, the moves they've made so far here before camp opened up were had a theme: young, athletic, fairly cheap, you know, to kind of fill out the roster. And then I think you may see them, you know, given that everybody is coming in here late, the coach and the and uh, Kala, that you may see them, you know, save their money and save any roster space spaces they have for for that summer window. Do we know yet what they what else they might need, what they might be seeking in that summer window, or do you think the next you know two three months will inform kind of what they might try to do there? Uh, I think probably an, another midfielder. Um, they went out. They you know they they added height to that uh, back line. Now they added the a Swedish player who's six uh, four. They drafted the kid from Indiana, Bacharach, the guy from from Spain who's six four. Um, so you know now you've got some some uh, uh, size there. If either one of them can move in and, and play right away, and uh, you know the other thing is just wait and see what what Pookie brings them. He started to kind of find his groove late in the season. They spent all kinds of money in their seven years trying to find a striker, and they've never really found one they can settle on. Maybe now that he's been acclimated, Robin Lude's coming back, so you got the the fellow Finn. They can play together. So um, you know, that's that's another thing to watch once he gets back from. Uh, uh, being uh, away for his uh, child's birth. Given all that, is it hard to know like what expectations should be at this point? I mean, I, I haven't really looked at where they're projected to finish or where what they think of as like a reasonable goal internally. But what what do you think? Is it just kind of a because of all the unknowns? Is it hard to kind of say, hey, this is a team that should be in the playoff hunt. This is a team that's definitely rebuilding. Like, what do you what do you make of their their standing in you know in in the league and in the conference? Well, I think they can. They should be better than they were last year, which means they should make a playoffs. I, I think this team. I mean, if you look, it's certainly not a roster rebuild at all. Um, I think the question, as we just sort of mentioned there, with with Pookie, can they get a guy who can you know take advantage when you have those? That's what seems like this team. You know, they create all these scoring situations, but they don't have that guy who can just finish it. You know. That's why, as Adrian Heath would have said, that's why these guys are making you know three million dollars, even in markets like Minnesota, because there aren't very many of them. And you know, if he's he had that four goal game uh, late in the season last year, if he can prove to be a guy who can really finish it off, you know, I think I think they're going to try to expect to uh, build more out of a guy like Fragapani, who's uh, who kind of went in and out, and you didn't really see him that much last year. Um, and then the whole question is, you know, what what's what happens with Reynoso? How long will it take to get him healthy? Does he uh, uh, really want to be here? Um, you know, there's certainly plenty of questions. Uh, as I mentioned, you got Ludd coming back. So, I mean, I think this team should be, you know, in the playoffs and maybe even even better than that if they make the right uh, move or two. With Reynoso, obviously, he's there. You know, there's he's their star player and Buki's making a lot of money right now and he could score a lot of goals, but it, the whole team, the whole offense has really revolved around Reynoso ever since he arrived. Um, they got to get that right. Or they got to kind of move on. Like where, what's, have we ever gotten to the the bottom of like what, what this perceived or real unhappiness was or, or where he's at right now in terms of how he feels about being here? Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, that was, Basically, you know, from him being delayed four months with no explanation. Now, maybe it was a case of, uh, you know, an issue with his young daughter. Or, you know, you hear rumors that, you know, they were trying to force trade or uh, transfer. 
But um, I'll tell you one thing about the new guy is he seems to be really big on culture. Okay. Nobody's bigger than the than the uh, organization. So you know we'll see. I know I know he's met individually with all the players. Uh, I don't know how it all came out, but uh, um, at least that process is going along. They did that last week in Tucson, and probably maybe even a little bit coming here in in Palm Springs. If you have a new sporting director who believes more in culture, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. We don't know what's going to happen yet, but that would say to me that that would be a person maybe less tolerant of what happened last year. Whereas, you know, Adrian Heath was, you know, in a got to win now mode. Give me, give me my, give me my best player. Uh, and and let's not ask too many questions about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think uh, no matter who it is, I mean, the one thing is you get a pretty good price for him. I think if you decide you want, want to transfer him, but there's no indication. Uh, I, I, I just get the sense that he, at least he's saying all the right things that he wants to be here. I, we were supposed to try to talk to him, uh, talk to him today. Didn't get that chance. So maybe the week before the season opens up, but to see what the, the one week was delay in coming in this time around. But um, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the, probably the biggest question to answer. And, and, who knows how long it'll take for them to to come to a come to an answer on it? A couple more things for you, Jerry Zagoda. I mean, aside from hiring this new coach, what what else do you feel like needs to be kind of addressed? What does this team need to keep working on before the season starts to to make themselves feel like, hey, we're ready for we're ready for the the, the this campaign? Well, they just need to get everybody together. You know, not only starting with the co- the coach and all that, but you know, the by the time they'll get ready to come back from Palm Springs. They'll, they'll have very limited time with Pookie. Uh, Fragapani was gone for a lot, for the, a lot of the time for the, this preseason, getting his green card as well. Uh, a guy like, they, they expect a lot, Mastani uh, Aluasi, who is a young, I think 23-year-old player that I think they're going to try to get some a lot of minutes for if they, if they can. So you need time for those guys to get together, get Reynoso healthy and... Uh, um, just time time playing together and time training together and then then we'll see you know what that that leads and then maybe they can get some momentum once they uh end up do hiring a coach if that is sometime in march since we're not anywhere near it yet what would it take to approach the levels of dysfunction that you had to cover and were witness to with the timberwolves oh uh the word that comes to mind is impossible, but <laughs> you went through a lot, didn't you? Oh, hey, I covered 18 seasons and one one uh, playoff series. Oh man, which uh, which playoff series did you cover? Was it the Jimmy Butler? Oh, Jimmy... The, the the Butler. So it was wow. So it was that was your last year on the beat, right? That's amazing. Yeah, sorry, you're you're right. That's we're this is a team that's been in the playoffs for a whole bunch of years. Didn't make it last year, but what they made it the previous four years before that, right? Nineteen through twenty two, they were in the playoffs. So even if they weren't great, they weren't they weren't anywhere near that level. No, and uh, and I don't think I, and I don't like, as we mentioned before. I don't think this is a complete you know redo of the the roster. I think they've got some talent here. They spent a lot of money, but they still have some to play with too. Once if it comes down to that summer window. So um, uh, we'll see. We'll see if you put in the quote-unquote right culture, you know, what hap- What might happen. Competitive rebuild, we might call it. Maybe the Vikings should follow their uh, their blueprint. Uh, 
All right, Jerry, appreciate it. We'll probably touch base maybe right before the season starts. Until then, enjoy yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, be sure to bifurcate. Good stuff from Jerry. I guess time will tell how this plan all sorts itself out. It just seems really odd to me to go into a season, if that's how they end up doing it, go into a season without your permanent head coach named. Even if you've got the style of play in place that you want, just transitioning voices at that point in a season seems very strange to me. I know teams like fire head coaches early in the season, bring new people in it. It happens. I get it. Like, you you know, sometimes you get coaches fired very early in the year. Dean Evison was fired pretty early in the wild season this year, for instance. But not having the permanent person in place at the start of the season seems like a bad way to go into the year of, and that's an understatement. But maybe it'll work for them. Maybe it won't be as big of a deal as, as I think it is. And uh, Jerry made some good points along those lines. Hey, they're going to be playing the style they want to play. It's just going to be a transition point when the new person is hired. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Let's finish with the cooler. Couple of things caught my attention. Number one, uh, this was, uh, I think this was a sports betting site that did this, uh, this analysis, this research, but it, it, it caught my eye about Aaron Rodgers. It says, revealed, Aaron Rodgers is the most popular NFL player in Minnesota. I'm like, well, that so that sets out all sorts of alarm bells for me. Like, wow, I got I got to read this. You know, I, I get we get these things all the time. Like all this research, all this stuff, and some of it's just like the most annoying or, ban- uh, or you know, just the most annoying or banal stuff you could imagine. It's like uh, the Timberwolves are the seventh most searched team in the Midwest, or you know, so and so is the the fourth. You know, pe- people here eat the fourth most pickles. Uh, whatever it is, like we get we get these things all the time, and most of it's just like just leave me alone. But this one caught me. Um, so here it says, it says Aaron Rodgers, um, they did research uh, reviewing Google search data for the last 12 months to see which, pe- which players are most popular in each U.S. state. The five most popular players in Minnesota based on this metric, Google search data, who was who searched the most. Aaron Rodgers was searched the most of all NFL players by people in Minnesota, an average of about 84,000 uh, searches per month in 2023. And only half of those were me, which is surprising. Number two, Kirk Cousins, 81,000, so just below Aaron Rodgers. Number three, Travis Kelsey, 55,000. Then Justin Jefferson right below Travis Kelsey. Adam Thielen, number five at 30,000. So only two of those five players are from Minnesota, but it kind of or, or play for the Vikings right now, but it kind of makes sense in that if you're in Minnesota, do you really need to Google players on the Vikings that much? You kind of know about them, right? You know what's going on. You're probably getting your information about them from more primary sources aside from having to just kind of go find out, oh, where would I find out about Kirk Cousins? Well, you find out about him from the Star Tribune and other outlets that cover Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson regularly. The players you might be interested in are the ones you don't see showing up in regular coverage all the time, unless you read Ramball and listen to this podcast. Like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, a curiosity point. Hey, how is he doing with the Jets? What happened? What's going on with his rehab? Is he going to get traded? Um, That was all in 2023. So I get it. I can see why it might happen. Just interesting that he is number one on that list. Travis Kelsey, of course, probably winds up on that list because of Taylor Swift, I have to imagine. You might have heard that he is dating 
the uh, the pop legend. You might have heard that. It's been a minor storyline throughout this NFL season. And in fact, Travis Kelsey is the most Googled NFL player in 31 states this year. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, the most Googled player in 13 states. So Minnesota is not alone in this fascination with those two guys. And Adam Thielen makes sense, right? Former Viking, longtime Minnesotan. You might have heard, of course, that he played Division II football. You might have heard his whole backstory now uh, playing this past season with Carolina. People wanted to know probably what he's up to. Couldn't just find that information regularly. So I get it. Just kind of a, a kind of caught my attention that Aaron Rodgers, the most Googled NFL player in Minnesota this past year. And maybe more seriously, a new streaming platform has been announced. Three of the heaviest hitters in sports launching kind of a, a co, co-app, a, a, you know, a joint venture between Warner, Fox, and Disney, which I think has like 85% of the kind of the national sports programming. Those three are teaming up on a joint streaming venture that they're going to launch in the fall putting channels like ESPN, TNT, Fox Sports, all of the ESPN networks under one app. I don't know what to think about this at this point. Um, We'll see what the price point is on this. We'll see what all programming is included. I mean, it sounds like you get all all the stuff from all channels, all the Fox channels, all the ESPN channels, BTN, TNT. It's got a lot of stuff on it. It's got a lot of your major national sports What's the price point going to be, though? I'm reading a story here that says it's probably going to be more than what you'd pay for a standalone regional sports streaming package, so more than kind of $25, but less than kind of your Hulu or your YouTube TV subscription, which is more in the $75 to $80 range. Where it falls on that spectrum might tell you a lot about what people are willing to do with this, whether they're willing to pay for it. To me, it sounds more like a game changer than I think it really is going to be. I don't know if the kind of person who would be interested in this would be that would also be the person that would actually buy this. I feel like that kind of person might just be happy with their with their cable or satellite or you know streaming bundle like Hulu or YouTube TV. They might want all the channels as long as they're getting all these channels anyway. They might want every single channel and not just the sports channels. I don't know. This is going to be interesting. It could be a game changer. To me, it seems like it has more of a potential to be a massive disappointment. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the price point, but that was my initial reaction when I heard about this the other day, that this has the potential to me to be a flop, that it sounds like a game changer in theory, but it has a potential to be a flop. But again, they're going to sounds like they're going to launch it in the fall. Could be a major disruptor. It's a, it's at the very least a shift in where this is all going. They're trying to take this off platform, trying to take the money, trying to kind of cut out cable, cut out the middleman. If this is successful, it will completely disrupt the the cable bundle because sports are you know are kind of the the destination TV right. They're, they're, they're the live TV that people still watch, still pay for. If this proves successful, it will put a pretty big dent in Comcast, DirecTV, things like that. If it's not, though, it could be trouble for ESPN, Fox, Warner, because they're probably banking on this being kind of the next step for them. So this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out, in addition, of course, to seeing how the regional sports stuff plays out. And again, the reason I don't think this will be as successful as they might hope is that this doesn't include your regional sports networks. It doesn't include you know, your Bally Sports North type channels where you get your local teams. It doesn't include that. And that, to me, is a more valuable property as a one-off, as a, hey, I'll pay for that every month, as a opposed to, hey, just give me all these channels, which I could get anyway with a bigger bundle. So 
I will be curious to see how it plays out, but I think there's more potential for flop than a huge success. That'll do it for me today. Imagine I'll talk some more wild on tomorrow's show. They're back in action tonight. Like I said, they're just kind of out of sight, out of mind right now, but maybe they can make a little bit of a push here post-All-Star break. Also on tomorrow's show, expecting to have Vikings wide receiver Jordan Addison join me. That should be a lot of fun, so stick around for that on Thursday's show. Until then, I am Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow.